are here for a reason. Breaking down the brotherhood, one prayer at a time. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right on Radio. You are here for a reason. And you know, that intro was so highly appropriate today because it is breaking down the brotherhood one prayer at a time. Prayer is our ultimate weapon against these things. And today we're going to bring you a great story, uh, a story of an overcomer. And, you know, there's a a background of of ritual abuse. There's some horrors. uh, We'll touch on them, but it's not going to be the focus of the interview. And this is just one of your uh, fellow right on radio listeners who I've had a conversation with and she was just so well-spoken, uh, well-balanced and the things she was telling me that I thought it really encouraged me. And I know you're going to be encouraged as well. Just a quick side note. Uh, Christy is not here today. She is on some important business, uh, helping people organizing, uh, with some Patriots and stuff like that. And just because of the time of day, uh, we're just talking literally just before coming on the air and she just was not able to join us, although she would have loved to be here. Uh, but without further ado, I want to bring on my guest for the day and she goes under the handle, uh, Reb B on our telegram channels, Rebecca, welcome to right on radio. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited to have you with us. And, uh, you know, you've been very active in our prayer channels, um, not only being uh, forthright in needing prayer, but also praying for others and being on our Singapore prayer celebration and all these different things. Uh, so, you know, you're really not just uh, talking the talk, you're walking the walk. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm passionate about prayer. So. Well, we all should be right now. Man. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like it's it's almost that time? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 There's there's a change in the atmosphere. I'll tell you, and it's just been growing and growing and growing. And uh, you know, I'm sensing God's going to move in the most powerful way that uh, the world has ever seen uh, very very soon. And mm-hmm. you know, and I hope I'm right about that. Yeah. Yeah, and we're you know, and we're part of that. We're part of that change, and we're part of bringing it to fruition. So, yeah, you know, because this this really is what the church is now. It's uh, it's people like you and me. It's not a building anymore. You know, it's the it's the amazing changes that have happened in the last couple of years that people are realizing. You know that uh, no, really, the body of Christ is the church, and we don't need these big fancy buildings. And I'm not against church, of course, but uh, it's it's getting together and and talking about this and glorifying the Lord and talking about His goodness that really has become the church now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, Reb, you were born into the system. Can you just kind of start at you know it, it give us a little bit of an overview about uh, you know your first experiences and then how you kind of grew up in it and then eventually to out of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, for me, I actually didn't know I was part of it. So I was born into it, um, coming down from my dad's side. Um, my dad and his um, his mom, which would have been my grandmother, um, were involved. And it was through my dad that I also got involved and through my grandmother. Though my grandmother, I didn't have a, a direct um, connection with at that time. Um, but I did with my dad and he got me involved with it. Um, from what I know up to this point, my mom was never directly involved. Now she might've been, um, she was, she came from a, you know, her own broken background as did my dad. So she was, she was DID, um, uh, multiple, which is kind of what I refer to it as. I, I don't like the term DID. I mean, I don't hate it, but I don't like it just because of the dissociative piece. And right. though I know it creates dissociation and it makes it a disorder, I like, but yet I feel like it's more of a survival, right? It's, so it's, so it's, DID for the audience, so people who are not familiar with the acronym, it's basically a multiple personality, right? Yes, yes. Which is why I, I'm more comfortable referring to myself as a multiple because I'm one of many. <laughs> And, and so when you say that you saw that in your mom and look, I'm not an expert on this, but I'm really have been studying, you know, how this stuff works. And it, it's almost like the Lord has put these protection systems into your mind. Yes. You know, it, it really is a protection in many ways. And sometimes it can go horribly wrong, of course. Um, but there's like an escape. There's different compartments that people can go to and particularly people who go through um, abuse, you know, really need that. It's a survival tool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think part of the piece with um, with having dissociative identity disorder that maybe people aren't aware is that when we're born, we're actually born with our brain is already sectioned. And, um, and that's why usually from like seven, eight, even six and younger, um, you're more prone to having it um, broken or shattered or... Um, and becoming multiple in some way, shape, or form. Now, that, that doesn't mean that it's any type of trauma, because we all go through trauma. It doesn't mean that any kind of trauma, you know, and we're all out there and every single person now is, is multiple. Um, but it there's a potential for it. But the difference is, is that if, you know, something happens, let's say, you know, a child falls off of a high cliff. But in the process of that trauma and that terror and that fear, they are loved back into health. They are told they are safe. You know what we're going to get you help we're going to make sure you're taken care of and even if their home isn't great it doesn't have to be perfect i don't think any of us have a perfect home <laughs> no but they're still cared for right so they don't necessarily have to end up multiple because they've been nurtured so the idea of multiplicity is the fact that something happens um it fractures a piece of your mind off because there is no safety there isn't going to be someone there that's going to scoop you up and help you it's, there's going to be someone that scoops you up and then re-traumatizes you. And so it becomes a way to survive as you repeat and repeat and repeat the abuse. Your mind says, we know what to do because there's no other option right now. And, and so in the system, and we don't know if this happened to your mother or your father, but in the system, they really do play on these things and they make sure to keep repeating the trauma. And that's how they actually go about programming people uh, a lot of the time. Yeah. It's not all trauma based, but uh, that is a lot of the foundation of the satanic ritual abuse. 
Yeah, and and I mean, for myself, I have both um, intentional and spontaneous DID, which means the spontaneous means that I've had traumas. Those were the ones that came to me first, that I first found out I was multiple. Um, those spontaneous ones that were created weren't forced. So with with the intentional, they're they're actually going in to create multiple personalities. They're actually going in to split you and to divide you. Whereas the I have like a separation in my mind from my intentional side and my spontaneous side. And the spontaneous side came from similar as far as, you know, not enough safety and that kind of thing. Um, but it's not, it was not made complex. So parts were not programmed to serve a role or a function. My mind naturally did that on its own, but not from a torture based control. So you had mentioned that, you know, you're uh mother you don't think was in it so it's it's always amazing to me how for instance a father could have this dual life and the spouse not really fully understand what's going on and can you just tell us about what that dual life would have looked like and you know when things started happening how old were you what what type of things were you brought through Yes, yeah, so my, my earliest memories that I recall um, was being told that there had been abuse in my family, um, but nothing had really happened to me. My, my sisters got it, um, and it was sexual abuse that had come from my dad, um, but really it was only my one sister that got most of it. My other sister, my sisters are older, they're twins, but um, I really had been spared from all of it. Um, and so as things progressed in my life, I started to show signs of someone that wasn't so spared. <laughs> and along with that, I had a lot of physical things that kept coming up repeatedly. So it started at age five and I had, um, I was attacked by a dog and my face was ripped open and had to get uh, major plastic surgery to get it all fixed. And from that point on, I just had repeated events of, um, of surgeries, of close calls, of I would go through bouts where I would start throwing up and I just could not stop. And I'm not someone who's, I, I just don't throw up, it's not my thing. So, but when I do, it's like, I can't stop. And so there would be those kinds of in and out, I'd have to get admitted, I'd have to get treated so it could slow down and stop. Um, but I continued to have these different, um, these different traumas that would come up from accidents. And like at 12, I had uh, my spleen and kidney removed from a tobogganing accident. I had near drowning um, at 18, 19. I, was, I turned 19 in the hospital. I had more complications from my other surgery. So I had to, again, I was you know hanging on death door and they had to do the surgery. There were complications from that. And I got um, double vision. I had some more body parts removed. I, had, um, I was hit by a car two weeks after getting out of the hospital. Uh, when I was pregnant with my son, um, he was two months early, also in complications. I mean, he was great and healthy. He would have gone the extra two months, but it was more complications from things with me. And so I just seemed to go from one type of disaster to another. And I remember when I was 20, I was um, I had gone into the hospital for the only <laughs> the only standard easy surgery there was, which was getting my tonsils out. But my mind and my body, they just went berserk. They're like, oh my goodness, we're back in the hospital again. We're gonna die, we're gonna die. We always, we're always get really sick, we're gonna die, we're gonna die. 
So my blood pressure went up. I like, I couldn't stop throwing up after the surgery. Everything went really fine. It was your basic tonsils being removed surgery. Uh, but my mind and my body said, we're dying. So I had to leave the hospital. I discharged myself. They said, we haven't discharged you. I said, well, I'm leaving unless she physically restrained me. Um, I said, if I go home, this is going to stop. I just need to be home. And it did. It stopped as soon as I got home. But I remember my family sat me down um, that night and they said, you know, we've been talking about all the things you've been through. Now, they were coming from a place of their own mass dysfunction and their fears, right? They had come so close to losing me so many times that they were in a place of how do we live with her knowing that she may not live? So as they talked about it, they came to this resolution. And so they sat me down and they said, you know, clearly God has decided you're not going to live long. So we think that you should prepare yourself to die because you're obviously going to die early um, and probably like in less than, you know, a couple of years kind of idea. So you should probably just prepare yourself for that and don't look ahead to think that you're going to have any kind of future. And I left from that conversation and I went upstairs to my room and I sat there and I was just stunned and betrayed. I felt completely left. Um, I understood their brokenness in it, but that didn't help the pain that it caused me. And I, I really, can only imagine. Yeah, and I, you know, and I brought that before the Lord and said, "Is this really what you have planned? That I'm just going to go from one physical miserable thing to another until one day it just takes me off? Is that is that really? Because I don't know. That just doesn't seem like it would be you if you're a God of hope." And I didn't get it. And I just sat there staring and I was just blown away. I have still have gaps in my memory from that time. I only remember that. And I have gaps after I, um, I had parts that were created to help, help, help me hold that. Um, but, you know, God had completely different plans and ideas. And through the course of my life, I've had a lot of things that have shown that I was multiple. I, I was moody. I was unstable. You know, I started... I started self-harming and into suicide and eating disorders from a very, very early age. And no one knew. I kept it very well hidden. I had no signs of it. So I knew how to hide it, but I knew that I needed something to help me make it through. Um, but as I got older and the depression never left, I started with depression at age two and it never really left. It just came and went in severity. And yet I had gone for counseling, found out I was multiple, worked through a ton of things, had all kinds of people pray over me. I worked through my eating disorders. I worked through so many different things that I felt like I was coming out of it, like I wasn't self-harming anymore. And I was like, Lord, why, why do I still feel this weight? Why do I still get these horrifically violent thoughts? Like horrific is an understatement, the things that I would see. Why, why do I still struggle with sleeping? Why do I, and I just, I'd come back to it and back to it. And I just thought I'm a crappy Christian. Like, you know, and you know, Christians are really, really good for coming alongside you, at least the ones in my life and saying, yes, you are. Because you know what? If you really weren't a crappy Christian, you'd be happy. You would just find all your healing in Jesus. And you would just. And if your faith story. isn't enough, that's why you're not healed. Oh my right. goodness. You just, you're not believing the right things. You're not looking, you know, you need, I, I got used to get talked so often about how I need to change my outlook. 
why are you always looking at bad things? Why are you always focusing on the negative? And it was like, what are, what are they talking about? I didn't live my life focusing on the negative at all. So I, it, it baffled me, but I didn't know how to do anything but receive all those words. So I would just receive it over and over again. I'd go home. I would become this like buckety mess on the floor. And I'd be like, Lord, what do I do? How do I get out of this? I'm like, I can't live like this. What am I? I'm doing something wrong. Uh, and then I, I had things in my life that seemed to continue to point to the fact that I was doing something wrong. So I had about actually about two and a half, almost three years where a completely different part took over my life. She knew nothing of surgeries. She knew nothing of abuse. She knew nothing of anything. And um, often the, the comments would come from others inside saying, so why are all those scars all, all over our stomach? nothing really happened. It's just, I'm sure there's just some little, little reason for it. And she would just poo-poo it off. And so for that time frame, like everybody loved me. She was happy. <laughs> she had no issues. I was still going through the depression, but she was not facing any of that. And so like she, it was great. So out of that, when I started to realize, okay, hang on, I, I'm multiple. I hear voices. And then all came back. All the memories came back. The switch happened. And the main, the main altar that was, um, that was part of my life that was one of a, a blend of altars um, that used to front came back to the surface again. That's not me, actually. Um, I'm, not, I'm not the original, but she came back to the surface. And so it was like this flood of, oh, my goodness, we have a past. <laughs> We've had surgeries. We're multiple. We have all these things. Um, but all the way through, the amazing thing is all the way through, God was the constant all the way through the trauma might have been a constant, the, the misery, the, the torment. I was constantly being tormented um, spiritually from the enemy, but I didn't know that's what it was. But God never, ever, ever left. I, I accepted Christ at age 10, but he never left before that. When I started to divide as, a, as an infant, when I was taken to the cult and they would do things and I started splitting and splitting and splitting, he was still there. Um, when I went to rituals and horrible things happened, and um, I remember one particular time that um, I must have been like around nine, I think, and I was at this ritual, and while I was at this ritual, this was after, and it was all like like the, the revelry stuff that goes on, um, this demon came and completely lay himself over me, and um, I mean, I didn't get it at the time what was going on, like why he would do it. I mean, I understand now that there's a, there's a harvesting of energy that comes mm -hmm. from that. Um, so I was fueling him. I didn't realize I was fueling him. Um, but it's kind of like a combination of a, like a physical and a spiritual rate. And the longer that that kind of merging happens, you can't really breathe. Um, and you just feel like you're at this place where it's like, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to die. And yet God sent an angel and that angel sat beside me and took my hand the whole entire time. And that was like my life source in the midst of it. And through the course of my healing, he has shown me again and again, you know, there is nothing that's so horrible that I can't be there to see it. There is nothing so evil that I can't still be with you in the midst of all of it. So it's been, you know, I don't have a word, like incredible seems like it's, it's way too small because it has been 
you know, it has been mind blowing, really, like to see what God has brought me through. Um, so just to kind of cover how I got to finding out about um, about SRA, I started to show signs that I was multiple. I realized that um, I struggled with infertility. I couldn't couldn't conceive another child. Um, I eventually did uh, conceive, but it ended up being a tubal pregnancy, which now I understand after so much stuff that happened, like I understand how, why that, why it was so difficult and why my one son is such an incredible blessing and miracle. Amen. And, uh, and so in the process of just living life and it was just really, it was just one difficulty after another. I couldn't get out of the difficulties. I couldn't get out of the abusive relationships. I would just, it was like I was a magnet for anything that was awful it would come to me. And then people would point their finger, go, you're just not trusting Jesus. Why do you have to be like that? I, I would have church leaders come to me and say, you know what? Like I've had enough. You need to stabilize because you see me, I, I leave it outside the door before I walk in the building. You need to not be like this. I could be like that, but I don't, you need to stop. You need to absolutely stop. And numerous times, different, different church leaders would come and tell me that I need to like pull out my socks, get my act together. And that just speaks to how unprepared they are. You know, seminary yeah. doesn't really teach us about, teach people about the real battle that's out there. No, I mean, and they, they didn't know anything. Um, I mean, in time they came to know I was multiple, but they didn't really know anything at the time, but that wasn't really what they were interested in. They had learned to cope by doing what most people do, which is take it, tuck it away and say, I'm very happy to not know. Yeah. And I'm just going to do all the right stuff so that I can have friends, I fit in. And then at the end of the day, I will definitely include God in my life, but I'm not going to go really deep. I'm not going to dig in. I'm not going to allow his refining fire to come in and transform me, no matter how much suffering it puts me through, because I want to be like him. People don't usually say that. They say, I just want to be the standard Christian. I want to go to church. I want to learn about God. I want my, my kids to learn about God. I want to, you know, share it with my neighbor. You know, and you get points, right? Because I've told my neighbor, and if your neighbor comes to Christ, then it's like, woo, right? You get like yeah. this stamp <laughs> on the head, right? So it's just, and it just shows, like, I don't say this to criticize because for me, my heart's broken by that because they're missing out they on the depth of beauty and awesomeness of who God is because you're not willing to trust him to take you through some of what might be that person's deepest suffering. It's not a comparison, right? It's well, and, and the Bible doesn't hide this stuff. Just people no. don't see it. And look, myself, myself was included in this, you know, uh, the, the, they call this the great awakening for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, many of us, so this is becoming a standard conversation now, but you know, and, and I, and I love where you've gone with the conversation, but I, I just do want to go back a little bit because you, you only breezed on it and not that I want to learn about what type of rituals you were in or anything like that. But I don't want to go past the fact that your family was active in this sort of thing. Like they were doing rituals and stuff. And so when someone in the audience, including myself is asking, well, why would Rebecca go through all this trauma, you know, this after this after this, and and and, and listen, I'm just going to put out a, a hypothesis. Okay, you can tell me what you think, but your sister, uh, your older sister, suffered much of the physical torture from from your father and stuff like that. But 
and whenever they do stuff like that, we know they're trying to accomplish something. That's why they use it's the magic and all that stuff. But there's always a consequence. And I just kind of wonder if you were offered up as the consequence. Has that ever occurred to you? Yeah, see, my family actually wasn't. My dad got me into the cult, but after he, after like a few years, he ended up being hospitalized because he was, um, he was put into like a, a psych ward for offenders because um, my mom caught him um, sexually abusing my sister. So um, it was about a year and a half before he came back. And in the process of that, my mom got a boyfriend and that boyfriend happened to be a cult plan, but none of sure. us knew that. But my sisters actually weren't directly taken to rituals. I was the one that was given that privilege. And I've learned along the way um, the reason for that, because I don't come from, you know, big fancy bloodlines like everybody talks about, you know, like, you know, the queen wasn't my abuser. Like, I don't have any of that kind of thing. I'm like, you know, your low level regular sort of person. Um, but what I did have that kind of set me apart was my mom's side got involved in, um, like, it's very standard. She's from Jamaica. So um, they have lots of witchcraft. They have lots of spiritism. Yeah. It's part of the way that it is. So my mom came over to Canada at 20, met my dad, and she brought that with her. A lot. Her mom came with her. And so that was just very normal. So I grew up with that. I grew up with the idea that there were spirits around and, you know, and that if you're feeling uncomfortable, you talk to them. And like, that was just like, she taught me all those things because she had known those things. And so I came from that witchcraft piece on my mom's side. And then I came from the cult piece on my dad's side and what it created in me, along with the fact that I think it's just, you know, I'm a child of God before any of that um, is I had, um, I was conceived with these, um, you know, over the top kind of supernatural abilities. And that is what they realized. And because they can see into the spirit realm, they can see the abilities and then they, they do different, different things to test you to see. Um, but that's what I had that was different than my sisters. And I don't know if it's because they're twins. I don't, I don't really know what the, what the thing is behind that, but I have always been able to, you know, be aware of things in the spirit realm. I've always been able to um, know things that were coming ahead of time. I'd always known all those things. I'd always known like... So I you're could, what they call a seer. Yeah. And and I mean, really, there, as I, I was curious on my healing journey to find out, you know, so I just thought they were all normal. It's funny. What because that's what you see, right? You, you assume everyone else is kind of seeing the same thing. Yeah. And I just but, thought, wow, I have a lot of coincidences. Like I, I know what that person's feeling. I know what they're struggling with. It's like I could see a bubble over their head and they were smiling and talking about things. But I was like, oh, they're in so much pain and they're actually having struggle with with their partner. Or I would be able to see, you know, someone be like, oh, I don't know where I left my watch. And they would just say that and I would see where it is. Um, and so I would have a lot of these different types of things. I, I, I knew like who had what spirits around them. I knew what was around me. I knew what woke me up at night to come to come visit me or to rape me. Like I knew all these things were happening, but never realized not everybody has this. And when I started to realize that, I was like, wow, I'm just not saying anything. <laughs> I'm not saying anything to anybody. It all sounds really crazy. I'm just going to keep it. So awesome. Reb, you don't see anything spooky around me, I hope. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep that for after. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I really hope, <laughs> honestly. 
So wow. I just really, my family grew up a, a dysfunctional family. And, you know, we grew up in a slummy area. But after my dad came back, there was a few times that he actively took me to different cult things. But my sisters were never, didn't seem to be part of that. And if my mom was, because she was multiple, she would have not had memory of it. So her and I would just switch out. She would switch into the child and she would she would start to act like she was very young. I would switch into the parent and then I would care for her. And so if something happened with her and my dad, something happened throughout the day, she had all these different parts of her. One was a mom, one was a little kid, one was like broken, one was like angry. And so I would switch accordingly to accommodate her in the process of all of this. But this I did like the actually- craziest household. Oh, it was. And, and yet it's normal, right? You just, you don't realize. And when you- that's, That was the, your family dynamic. Yeah. And when you grow up in the slums, you know, the interesting thing is everybody's really screwed up. You know, like the church people didn't want to drop us home. Like when us kids went to church, they would like not pull into the driveway. They were like, is this close enough? You guys can get in from there, right? And so they drop us up because they were all like, we want to go into your neighborhood. So it's like, it's okay. You just send the children out alone into the neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what a good church God-fearing right. group would do. That's right. So it yeah, was You don't want to leave the safety of your vehicle, but uh, kids walk through <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but it's normal when, when that's how you live, right? You get used to the police coming. You get used to hearing people beating their kids. You get used to hearing the guns go off. You get used to, you know, finding out the latest person that, that was killed. Like it's, that's just that you don't know anything else for it to be. Wow. That's really unsafe. And, and I know the neighborhood you're speaking of specifically. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I can testify. Yeah. This is yeah. true. So really it was after my, my mom and dad both died. My mom died first. Um, and then a year and a half, I was, I, I was the main caregiver for my dad. Um, and in the process of that, I started to get a lot of confirmations. I was like, there's a lot more that happened between me and my dad. Like there's a, I never called him dad. I always called him Eddie because it distanced me from him. I hated him growing up. I, I knew where all the guns were in our house. And I listened every single night until it got quiet. My parents went to bed because I felt my job was to protect my sisters and my mom. From my dad and so to me he was he was very angry he was very unstable could fly off the handle and so uh for me that that i had like a whole system planned out for what i would do and now here years later my, my dad is this you know um and totally different person um he's sweet he's kind he's um happily confused and um you know so i would see him weekly and was I didn't he saved before he died. Sorry. Was he saved before he passed? Yes. Yes. I, I actually also grew up with um, with the Baha'i faith. So I had the Christian faith and the Baha'i faith. Um, oh, and I'll leave, we're going to be leave. talking about this faith. I'm going to have you come back on that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I'll, I'll leave people to look it up to see what soon. it is before then. But um, yeah, so here, here my dad was. And, and I, you know, the way that I've lived my life is I... Okay, God, I know I'm multiple. I know that there's stuff that happened. I know that I still have a lot of gaps. Lord, I'm not going to go digging for anything. You can bring it forward if you want to. And it was like when I struggled with infertility. I was like, God, if you can make a 90-year-old woman pregnant, you should have no issues with me. So I, yeah, I tried treatments. I tried different things. But then I was like, I don't have thousands and thousands of dollars for IVF. I'm not doing it. So I left it and trusted it with him. And I did the same thing with my memories. 
And there was one day I came to see my dad and um, this was before he really started to lose cohesion of who he was and where he was. And um, his face always lit up as soon as I walked in, absolutely lit up. And I got the chair and I sat down beside him. Um, and we usually would hold hands while we would sit. And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, I've been thinking. And I said, what have you been thinking about? And he said, yeah, I, I've done some horrible things to you. I wasn't the father I should have been. And at this point, I had forgiven him. I had worked through whatever the mystery things were, and I had forgiven him. But I realized that it was an important point, that God needed that year and a half from my mom's passing to his for him to get ready. And so it was important, and I realized that. And I thanked him for, for his apology and let him know I forgive him. And I said, more importantly, you need to seek God for forgiveness on that. You need to make it right with him. You know, I said, I forgive you, but really that's where you need to go. And he said, I have been. I've been praying and I've been talking to him. I have been making it right with him. So God kept giving me these little snippets of things where he was like, get ready, <laughs> get ready. <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting ready for. Um, and I had had some incredible spiritual encounters with God, too, where we had we had uh, spent hours, and I'll, I'll share this one story because it's absolutely incredible, and it, I don't know who it might encourage, but I decided to do um, an Easter study, and I had done it before. It was this really short but incredible book, and so when I when I decided to go into it, I found a room in my house, closed the door, um, locked it, had my Bible, had everything ready, and I said, Lord, I don't want to do this study, this devotional around Easter, and it be like every other time. We go, we hear it. We learn about what you've done. And I, it wasn't Easter at the time. And then we're like, wow, that's great. Thank you so much. It refreshes his sacrifice and his beauty. But then we carry on. I said, I don't want that. I want transformation. I want this to be the deepest, most impactful experience. I don't want to ever walk out of this room every time we have this time together the same. And so I asked him if as I was going through the study, would he allow me to stay in that place all the way through till the next time? And by in that place, I mean um, the streets of Jerusalem, um, all his growing up leading up to that point. There wasn't a lot in the book. It started just before the, the crucifixion, but she talks about the street and how it was and, and God took me right in there. And the incredible thing was I would finish these times with God and I would carry with me till the next time I could hear the streets. I could hear the conversations. I could hear the different things. And it blew, blew me away. Like absolutely blew me away. There were so many times I was just like in tears with gratitude because I never lost the impact of what he did. Wow. And he out really of that, that is, yeah. And out of that, I mean, and it just, you know what, like we can do that. We can ask God for those things. We can say, I, I don't want to just do devotional. I want more. I don't want to do the simple. I want transformation and I want more transformation. And then when we get that. We can go again and go, I want more. Keep making me more like you. Like, I, and, and, and there's always more. Exactly. Exactly. And he's. <clears throat> so Rebecca was, and that's, that's a beautiful story, but it, you know, I guess even before that, was there, a real turning point for you where you just decided I wasn't going to receive, you know, what my parents and then my family said, I'm going to, you know, die soon. And I'm not, I'm, you know, and all these different things. Was there a real moment that was a turning point for you 
that brought you to, you know, onto the path that you're on now? Um, no, there wasn't one moment. It was, um, it was continual. It was a continual choice. You know, for me, my life has, I've done my life alone. So I haven't had like people come alongside me and say, they're going to mentor me or help me in anything. Um, I've always done it alone. And the advantage of doing it alone is it makes you, um, it drives you to your knees more. You don't have anyone else to, to ask you when you're brokenhearted at how people treat you and you don't, you're not understanding it. You've got no one else to go to. So you go, you go to the one that you have, which for me was Jesus Christ, that he was my one. And so I would go to him over and over again and pour out my heart. And I kept saying I, I would make covenants with God and he would remind me we did we did a covenant together and he would remind me, remember this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And it was just a, a gradual change over the years. I'd find out more about my life. I'd still have gaps and I didn't understand. Okay, Why am I still depressed? OK. You know, maybe I'm not loving God enough. So it was gradual. The biggest change was when I finally realized um, I was SRA. And when I finally realized that I had thousands and thousands of parts living inside me, when I finally realized that a big chunk of what I was used for was experimentation, which which is one of the things that caused so many of my parts. When I found out that I had a collection of home parts, so the ones that, that dealt with my family, and then I had a collection of cult family parts that did all of that, didn't know anything about the rest of them. And then I, I had a collection of parts that was like the church ones, the one that kind of knew all of that stuff, did life over there. And I started to realize and understand more things that I had been seeing over the years, things that I'd been hearing, things that I had been experiencing. I started to realize that uh, the spiritual abilities I had were actual like I just dismissed them and made them up but they were actual abilities and they weren't just a figment of my imagination and I began to understand more of what pushed them to those extremes what pushed them to those limits um, because the the experimentation and the abuse side of that was like just horrendous right and um, you know like we were made into um to be able to do anything. So, you know, snuff films, kid porn, um, uh, you know, like any, any of the stuff that you hear people talk about, you know, you, you get perpetrated on and then you become the perpetrator and that's how they, they snag you. Right. They say, well, you got to stay with us because you know, you're just like us. And those parts hear that and they feel stuck. You know, they get you into, to dark, higher level prostitution where um, it's, you know, you're given tasks to do. It's not your normal prostitution, which is bad enough. Um, it's it's twisted. <laughs> it's very yeah. dark. Yeah, um, yeah, and you shared some of that with me on the, on the phone call, and I don't think we need to get no, into the no, detail absolutely. on that. But no, I think but there's a really important point here, Rebecca, to be made. Uh, and it, and I, it's something you've brought up already. But you had said earlier on, that there's nothing so evil that the Lord cannot stand to watch it with you. And, and so many people might be thinking, well, if the Lord's there, why doesn't he just rip her out of there if he loves her? Mm -hmm. But the Lord lets us go through this fallen world because it's a fallen world. Mm -hmm. And the Lord lets us have our own free choices as we go through things. And sometimes we choose bad stuff and sometimes we choose the right path. But 
I think what's important here, and you had said you were saved at 10, and obviously you'd still done some stuff that was uh, beyond that, you know, being involved. And you just mentioned, you know, a couple parts of it. And But the Lord has been with you and walking with you all through this entire time. Mm -hmm. and And people might have trouble understanding that. But you have to understand that now Rebecca will never do those things again. Rebecca has been saved. She's worked, been working on a healing process. But now, even today, someone is going to watch this particular interview and someone's life is going to change because they know you did it and I can do it too. And it's a you know, I, I, I can't I can't say I did it. What what I can say is that God did it despite Yeah, but but you kept choosing him. You yes, kept choosing yes. him. Yes, we do have to have that conscious choice and that's the difference. That's what gets us out. Um I think I think if God were the genie god and he would just reach down and scoop us out, really everything would have been done like 10 seconds after the fall in the garden. Well, he shouldn't have done that. Done. We wouldn't have thousands of years of history because he would just come in and keep rescuing all the time. But we also wouldn't learn, and we also wouldn't find out about the magnitude of God. We wouldn't find out how incredible he is. We wouldn't find out that he is the kind of God that never leaves us anywhere. He doesn't say, I, you know, most places I'm okay, but yeah, you're just too messed up for that. Well, you see, and that's my point. You won't know the goodness of God unless you realize that there's bad. Yeah. as well right if we yeah. if we were just all submissive to god you know and we didn't even have to choose we would never know how good he is because we wouldn't know evil existed yeah right yeah. so you know and and i just i just think rebecca that you know some people and if some people go through more extreme stuff you've went through more extreme stuff than a lot of people who are listening but the lord has let you go through it and is is he glorified in your eyes now even through the horrors oh absolutely he's he's been my most faithful faithful friend from as early as i can remember and even in the process of my healing he um he has shown me so many visions and he has shown me so many things in dreams and in encounters with him and one of the things that he showed me was he showed me that he had actually taken my, the core of me um, and he had taken it and tucked it away and that it was almost, it almost looked like it was, um, I could see them. They were there. They were, um, awake, but they were almost like in a sleep. Um, and that, and he was in front of it and he let me know that this was protected and not going to be touched until such a time as it could come forward and begin to fully integrate with me and who I am. And, you know, that, that is God. God never looked at me and said, you know, you've done a lot of really bad things and I just don't know what to do with you, um, you know, or someone that looks and says, well, you know, I guess maybe he can save the really extreme people, but I just have like regular stuff, you know, and I just, that's not my story. It has nothing to do with that. Absolutely nothing to do with that. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the fact that, you know, you grew up in a war-torn country or the fact that you grew, grew up in a middle-class, averagely dysfunctional family. And so you got crap going on. We all do. It's This isn't a minimizing. This isn't elevating one thing and putting down another. This is taking what we have, 
whatever the brokenness is, whatever our returning struggle, you know, even as we were chatting ahead of time, you know, sometimes there are things that come back and come back and it's like, why can't I get past that, that thing? Or like every time I go here, I just, I just feel anxious and I don't know why. And it happens over and over and over again, right? It's bringing that to the Lord and saying, what needs to be healed in that? Where do I need truth brought in and your hand to come in and speak into that, that feeling of uneasiness or fear or whatever it might be? And God is so happy to show us the roots of the things that we've never been able to get past. It doesn't have to be because we've been in a war-torn country. It can be the fact that, you know, we hurt each other, hurt people, hurt people. And that's all of us. And that's what we do to each other. We we say the wrong things. We do the wrong things. We snub, we ignore, we lash. Those things hurt one another. That And whether it's the body of Christ or not, that's what we do because we're all broken. So it's learning how to take those pieces and invite Jesus into that and to say, I keep struggling with this. Where are you? Bring me truth. I want to know. And when he shows us and he takes us into those places, they don't have to be really deep. They don't have to become like, you know, hospitalized or anything. It can be just literally moments. Sometimes I've seen things just while I'm I'm working and I'm praying while I'm working and I'm and I'm seeking God on things and he brings something to my mind. I'm like, oh, okay, I yeah. can pray through that, right? Like it doesn't have to be, you know, it takes me out and I'm like, I'm going just on the floor. Right. But it's inviting him into that place. And then almost always there's a combination of something we need to confess and repent of something we need to seek forgiveness for and something we need to relinquish because there's a lie in there. There's something in there that's niggled its way in that we've actually believed. Oh, that's me. That's how I am. And don't don't we love to label one another? Oh, that's how she is. Oh, he's just like that. Right. And then we receive those labels. We then go, yeah, that's just how I am. I'm just like that. We let other people put that on us. Yeah, absolutely. But when when we look at Jesus, one of the big things that he's been showing me more and more. And I I shared this. Um, I shared this with a dear friend of mine who used to be my therapist, but has come to Christ since. Um, and and I know, want to get to that because that's so, so spectacular. Yeah. And so I. Like I shared with her, you know, when we look at Jesus, we don't see him like we tend to say, you know, that's my office persona, you know, that that's my home part. Right. We, we use those types of terms where it's like I got to put on the office me. I got to put on the church me. I've got to put that's very understandable. We, we get what people are saying when they say that. And we understand that we all have that. We have a different way that we are when we're working, a different way that we are when we're, you know, we're playing ball hockey with 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 the guys. Like we different crew, different person. Exactly. Yeah. And this isn't about being multiple. This is just about being humans. Yeah. And so we're all like that. But when we look at Jesus, we don't see a preaching Jesus and then a healing Jesus and then a raising the dead Jesus and then a dying on the cross Jesus. We see Jesus. Beginning, middle, end. One Lord one God, one Messiah, one Savior. That, Same yesterday as today. That is how we are to be. We are not to have, you know, the, the the fun part of us and then the serious one that goes to here and does this. And then to have the other one that's just, oh, that's the weepy me. No, we're, it, we are meant to be cohesive and together. And again, not talking multiple. I'm just talking being a human. This is how we have learned to function in dysfunction. We all and- have it. It is dysfunction. And, you know, 
when you say bring these things to the Lord and, you know, having that experience, but, you know, and I, and I know, cause I'm just thinking of things from my life and I'm not making the interview about me, but I know that there's a lot of people listening that are having the same thoughts now and there's stuff that's wrong in my life that I just don't want to bring to him yet. I still want to wallow in that shame. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, and, and I don't know why, <laughs> because it, because it's hurtful. Uh, but I think we all hold on to certain hurts and maybe you found the answer to why we do that as you went through your going through your healing process. I, for me, it's not, it's not a matter of why, if I'm hanging on to something, I need to bring it. Why am I hanging on to this? Um, not why do I stay wallowing or why can't I bring this to you? But Lord, what's the hindrance? Because if I state with my mouth that I want to live for you, that I want you to transform who I am, why am I keeping this over here? Can you show me? Can we figure that out together? And then when we, when you, he shows that to us, and it could be quick, it could be long, it could take a few months, you know, it might be something we struggle with where we just like, I don't want to give it up. And again, we say to the Lord, why don't I want to give it up? Can you show me why? Why am I hanging on to this thing? The Lord knows he was so, so faithful. He will totally show us what that is. And then we can then get into the things that we want to say, no, I don't want to dig that up. I don't, I didn't want to go there, but now I understand why. And so it's piece by piece. It's whatever comes to us, we bring that to him. And we and say, it's show programming, me isn't it? Oh, absolutely. We all have it. We have it for our cultures in our home. We have it for our cultures in our country, in our community, in our world. We all have it. There's no way to get out of that. But the way that we heal from that, all of us across the board, is to keep coming to Christ and saying, show me truth, hang on to me, I'm going to hang on to you, and give me the passion and the hunger and the yearning for you that says, nothing that I'm hiding away will suffice, because you gave up everything for me. So take me there, and don't leave me. And that's, that's where we need to get to. And that's just a gradual process of intentional and conscious choosing God. And when we've slipped off, we come back. We fill our minds with, you know, all the stuff we've heard in church. It's, and, and it's, it's in scripture, right? Like we need to have, we need to know scripture. We need to be reading it. We need, I listen to it while I work. So I have scripture playing. I listen to it in the morning because I can't stop to read, but I want the hours, <laughs> hours of scripture yeah. So I listen to it. Um, I worship. I I talk to God continually throughout the day. We talk about the different things going on. So it becomes a lifestyle. When it becomes a lifestyle, what ends up happening is you change who you spend most of your time with. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't mean not being with friends. I mean, if you bring Jesus into your day to love always, pray without ceasing, that's what you're doing. You're having a conversation. It doesn't mean you don't have set aside times or specific studies or specific times on your knees for prayer, but it is such a natural part of who you are that you are journeying with him. And that's when he takes you into those places and says, you know, what do you think about this? Something I've noticed. What do you think if we deal with this together? You can bring Jesus to the grocery store. Yep. Absolutely. Right? He's there anyways. That's right. <laughs> so but, might as well go with him, right? Yeah. Lord, who would you put in my path today? You yeah, know? Yeah. Uh, you know it's, it's allowing him to do that that transformational change within us bit by bit, right? It's, I, I don't think there's a lightning bolt moment. If there is, I would love it. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. <laughs> so 
but Rebecca, so this this is really important, and I and I just love where this conversation is going because, as I say, there's a lot of people who listen to this who have been through a lot of stuff, and and I know that your story is really going to help people, but you know, Jesus can do all things. Jesus can heal us of anything. Jesus can raise the dead. We know all that stuff. But yet, at some point, you decided to get professional help as well. Why was that? Um, I've actually had, I've actually gone for help a few different times. And it was because I was still stuck in those modes of, well, the first time with um, with the Christian counselors was, um, was around infertility before that was around um, suicide. I've always struggled with suicide. I've always struggled with wanting to die. And it was just so potent and nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to know you're that depressed. Nobody wants to know because good Christians don't say those things. And so I would just repeatedly get, you know, hand slapped and told I was ungrateful and, you know, the usual stuff that people say. So those are the things that brought me there because I was like, why can't I get out of this? Why can't I get past this? So I had a few different lay counselors and then a few different Christian counselors. Um, and ultimately, for me, um, I, I then took this break. I was like, I think I've learned enough. I really just want to work on myself. I don't want to have to go if I don't need to. And then when I started into um, the grief over my parents, I didn't know I was I was SRA and, and mind control and experimentation or any of that. I just knew I knew I was multiple. I knew I had come from stuff and I got stuck in my grief. And I was like, why can't I grieve? Like I've worked through so much in my life. I know I have parts. I've worked through a lot of trauma. Um, you know, they're, they're in a really good place. Like I, I'm not struggling with these things. Why can't I grieve? What's the hang up? And I waited and waited and waited. Cause I was like, okay, there's going to be a reason. So um, that's what actually brought me to counseling um, was when I first met um, uh, my therapist, I said to her, look, I always give everybody the spiel because literally when I tell people we have to, you know, you have to fill out those forms for insurance and stuff. So a few different times when I fill out the forms, cause I'm going to be honest, when I fill out the forms and they find out that I'm DID, they, they refuse, they refuse to, to cover the insurance or whatever. I don't know. They guess they think I'm going to go off and do some mass killing of the world or something. I don't know. And then they have to pay for it. Or they have to pay a separate <laughs> claim for each personality. Right. You know how these people build, right? <laughs> That's right. So I just, I, I just said it to her straight. Um, cause I'd had other, I had had other counselors or therapists or people. And when they found out they were like, Oh, Oh yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, I don't know anything. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, I can't. So I thought, you know, I'm just gonna lay it all out. So I said to her, so I, I, I have DID. I've been through all these things, but I've worked through a lot of it. I'm really just wanting help with, with the, the being stuck and grieving. You don't have to worry about it. None of my parts are gonna come out and talk to you, so you don't have to worry about any of that. But I want you to know so it doesn't scare you off. <laughs> and as it didn't scare her off, and so um, our relationship developed since then. And yep, she met my parts, lots of them. <laughs> I found out I had a lot more and found out I was um, found out I had gone through SRA, found out, you know, the extents of, um, of the, the experimentation and so many. Other, and, I'm, and I'm still I'm still in process. I'm still finding things out. I haven't you know, I had didn't I haven't climbed the mountain and hit the, the bell. Right. The ding. And there's yeah, right. Like I haven't haven't gotten there. I'm still in process and probably will be till the day I die. Right. There's always more to learn and heal from. Um, and so, yeah. And I. When I brought it to the Lord of how I should go into uh, counseling, I I really had grown so much in my walk with God that I said, Lord, you know, I don't need 
a Christian counselor. I don't need someone to keep telling me, um, you know, go to God and read your Bible and, you know, all these different things. I said, I'm happy to do that outside. So if I can just find a good therapist that will walk with me and be okay with how screwed up I am, I'm good. So, yeah, so God brought me to this incredible woman. And over the course, about um, about six months into our time together, the Lord said to me, I'm going to bring her to me. Um, start praying. I was like, really? How's that ever going to happen? I, like, really? <laughs> I just don't see how that. And Lord, that doesn't happen for me. That other people, that doesn't happen for me. Anyways, he said, pray. So I did. I prayed and um, and I didn't I didn't show up in sessions telling her all about Jesus and try and save her or anything like that. I if it came up naturally from something I was sharing about me, fine. But most of the time I didn't actually need to ever talk about God in order to share the things that were going on. And that felt really right. Um, I was never ashamed or embarrassed to talk about it, but I felt like it wasn't the timing. And so um, I continue to pray for her. I continue to push the boundaries. I'm sure she'll watch this. So one of the first boundaries I pushed with her was I told her, you know, I'm, I, I want to die. I'm feeling suicidal. And she said, here, call the helpline. And I said, I'm not calling any helpline. If you won't stay with me through this, I'm done because everybody pushes me off. Everybody runs away. Nobody wants to hear my suicidal thoughts. I need to talk them out. I need to get it from the darkness to the light. And if you can stay with me for that, then great. If not, I respect your choice. And she's like, I'm staying. <laughs> Excellent. So we've had a lot of those different times where, you know, it's just been me pushing and pushing and pushing comfort zones. I seem to do that with a lot of people, not just her. It's a special gift that God's given me. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and over time, as I've been working through more things and she's like, I want, I'm happy to learn, like send me links on different things, send me different stuff. And so, yeah, we went through a lot of um, Amanda and Doug Riggs things and just looking up different stuff. And, and the interesting thing was every time I stumbled upon a video of something that I thought could be helpful for, um, for me and ultimately her, I would send it on to her. It always ended up being God-based and I was never looking for that. And I would say to her, you know, stuff just like the, you know, the, the rig stuff, because that's uh, that was pretty. No, 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 not that. Just other random oh. things, other random pieces of things. And I said to her, just so you know, I'm not trying to send you God stuff. I said, I have no idea why it always ends up being God stuff. But I said, I don't look for it. It doesn't even say anything about God in it or Christian or anything like that. Um, but she was willing and she was open. She's like, well, that's fine. That's fine. Anyways, long story short. Um, yeah, she she made the decision to accept Christ and. Yeah. And the, the ripple of that has just continued to flow out. And the interesting thing now is as we talk, we both realize that um, that she was getting the same thing, that there was something different and unique about our relationship. And um, and that now we both really feel like God is going to use this in a really key way. We don't know how or what that means exactly, but we feel like this is something where God has brought us to together. Um, for us to be able to work together and bring freedom to people. So yeah, so we're we're now on a journey of friendship and we're now on a journey as sisters in Christ and we're now on a journey where we continue to learn together, we continue to grow together. Um, she, you know, she has been uh, faithful and she's never ditched me. She's never left me at the wayside. She stayed true to her word and repeatedly listened to me, you know, 
hit those points where I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I, I can't live. And then with programming, you have all these programs that come out to, to want to want to take your life in different ways, shape or form. And even in the midst of all of that, she stayed with all of it. And she just kept telling me, I'm, I'm in this. <laughs> I'm in this. I'm, I'm not gone. Like, I'm, I'm in this with you. And you would have to do the leaving if, if you want this to end between us, because I'm in this with you. And so, yeah, God has just done an incredible work. Um, and it's just been amazing to see how he has had his hand on her life from the beginning and how he orchestrated the two of us coming together. Yeah. And how without me having to preach a word, <laughs> Jesus Christ was exalted and present and made known. And but you were faithful to pray. Oh, yes, absolutely. Faithfully praying. And when people would say to me, you know, how's, how are you doing working through everything? What can I pray for? I would say, pray for her. <laughs> pray for her. Pray for her. That would always be my thing. Yeah, I would be like, pray for her. Pray for her. Like, like she she needs to know God. Like, pray for her. Pray for her. So I, I you know, and so I did. I had different people that were praying and, um, you know, and the different, different uh, amazing ladies with, um, with the Bible study group and the prayer group. And I'd be like, pray for her. Pray for her. <laughs> Yeah, so there's been a whole bunch of us praying for her. And the really cool thing is that she's now come to know a bunch of them and she's now joining Bible studies with us too. So yeah, it's just, it's incredible to see how God has worked and how he continues to work um, in spite of all this, right? She's she's learning, healing, growing. I'm learning, healing, growing, right? It's not it's not unique to any one person. It's, a, it's what we do as, as we journey with the Lord to get, deeper into those places and to relinquish more and to say where I have been is not enough. I'm not going to settle. I will not settle. So you do your refining work and hang on to me. And when I'm kicking and screaming in the fire, don't pull me out, leave me in there and you burn away all the stuff because I don't want to live the way that I have. I want to be more. And that's what you offer me. You offer me a life of more. That refiner's fire. Yeah, that's that's where we're at. <laughs> wow. And, and by the way, I know you're listening, Carolyn. I pray for my therapist as well. There you go. Yep. <laughs> Who has been on the show so people know. Yeah. I call her my psychotherapist, which she takes offense <laughs> to because she actually has a doctorate in theology and everything else. But it's more fun to make me look yeah. like a psycho. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it, it's amazing. You, uh, you chose to go work out some things and you god used you as part of the way to get her it just isn't that how how amazing god is like you'd never see that plot twist coming right yeah yeah and you know it's funny because at the beginning i remember one time very very close to the beginning a few months of our relationship i did bring up something with god and like it was just like she got her back up and it was just like and then that there was this anger and i was just like she might not have even known. Right. But I have like these, these super senses with things with people. So I was just like, wow, no to self, Lord, not bringing up your name again. Boy, that went badly. So that's when I was like, okay, you lead me, you lead me for what I have to say and how I am to say it. And I go off into these little moments with her where I go off. I just get these little sermons because I'm passionate about what God has done, or I'm passionate about, you know, why doesn't anybody want to get on board and face their crap? 
Why doesn't anybody want to heal so that they can have more of Jesus? Why doesn't anybody want to, like, why do we spend so much time with our heads nestled up our backsides, very in the darkness and the smell? And we don't want to change anything. Why do we like, why are we like that? You know, and so she would this get a lot is of my questions. dilemma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but God led it the whole time. He led it the whole time. And he would anoint me to go off on my little rants. And he would tell me what to speak and when and how and um, and when to stop. And so I tried my best to be as obedient as I could and to just follow his leading in the midst of all of it. Yeah. And th I'm sure she would be happy to come on sometime and tell you her version. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, just how just how how God has met her. Right. And how he has how she has seen him all the way through her life, but how he actually met her and it was it was amazing to see her face light up afterwards and she would say things like you know i've read like bible stuff before like i have like you know grandmother or whoever in my past that's a christian i've gone to church i've done all those different things but i, don't know, I just never got it it's like i suddenly i'm getting it <laughs> i'm just yeah, like because you can't understand it without the holy spirit exactly you know, and, and I'm, I'm just smiling and she's like it's like all coming together it's like i'm starting to understand things and I don't know why I didn't understand it before. And it was just like, just the transformation was just an absolute delight to see how God, God works in our lives and can bring so much hope out of complete crashing and despair and the worst situations and our biggest smelliest mistakes or that of others. And he can just take it when we choose to surrender and relinquish and keep doing that over and over again, because you don't just lay it down and it's all good. You, you find out it's back behind you, like the red, red wagon. Why is that in my wagon again? Like, I don't want that there. And so we take it back to him again. And we say, you know, here I am again. I, I picked this up and decided I was going to have my own agenda, stuck it on the altar of my life. And I don't want it there. I want you there. So let, let's keep working through this. I'm going to keep coming back as many times as I need to. And he knows you know, your thoughts anyways. So you may as well just be honest, right? Yep. Yeah, but you, you know, know, it's funny I, I how talk we like to him live. like a friend, and you know, yeah. like Lord, honestly, I don't want to be thinking these things sometimes, or you know, yeah. different things that enter in, and you know, I don't try to hide it because he saw it already. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the, the thing is that we spend more time fighting and pushing away the things that we feel are wrong than actually being with it. We need to be with it, and when we're with it, that's when we say. Why is this, why does this keep happening, Lord? Why do I keep struggling with this thought? Or why do I keep seeing this? Or why do I keep lashing in this way? Or why do I cycle through this and this and this? Instead of going, okay, no, 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 I, I, I know what I'll do. I'll just eat better. I'll get up early. I'll get a good exercise routine going. You know, I'll, 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 I'll manage social and quiet times. I'll, you know, keep myself busy, but not too busy. And, you know, like, and we have like this whole regime and it's not that any of those things are bad. No, but good. it's usually finding that little repentance point that we have it's, to it's get to. It's not the answer. It's not the yeah, answer. Yeah, it's not it's, the it's answer. It's a support. It's a support for, to help us through, but it's not the answer. But we will run to everything else instead of going to the actual painful thing and saying, talk to me about this. What is going on? I don't want this in my life. I don't want this looping. I don't want to think this. I don't want to lash this way, whatever, right? We all have it. We all have like a whole list of things. <clears throat> They're all very normal human things that we do. We all have different reasons we do it, but it's it's 
It's when we see the repetition and the pattern that we see ourselves coming back to it over and over and over again, that we start to realize there's something else there. And, and we start to realize how much we limit God, right? We, in how we pray, in how we talk about him, um, we tend to talk almost as if, you know, when the time is right, God will do this. Well, yeah, but how about boldly coming before the throne and saying, I think now could be the right time. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm and ready. if not, I want it to be the right time. So I'm going to exactly. start praying it right now. Exactly. And I'm going to keep coming. And, that, and that's what I did with the Lord out of that out of that time of that Easter study. I said, I don't want this to end. The study's done. I don't want it to end. I want to be different. And that's when he spoke to me and he said, I have something coming for you that you're not going to want. It's dark. It's awful. You're not ready. And I said, okay, then make me ready. Make me ready. Because no matter how horrible it is, no matter how, you know, unbelievably uh, horrific it is. And I had no, no idea about anything. I said, Lord, I don't know. I have, I'm, I'm in ignorance here telling you that I'm in, but as long as you're there, I will be in. Because ultimately, it's not about living my life comfortable with a little bit of disruption. It's about living my life by laying it down in front of you every day and choosing to say, it's not my own. I was bought at a price, so I'm going to honor God with all that I am. And that that is for all of us. That is for every single one of us, not just... You know how many people have grown up in the church and known God all their lives that you mm -hmm. just ministered to? I hope so. <laughs> That's my heart and prayer, right? Like before we met... My heart and prayer is, you know, one of the things that God has shown me of late in the past, you know, probably a couple months is that um, I, I would I still have different suicide programs that would come up and I'd be battling that with the Lord. But one of the big things that really shifted for me was the day that the Lord said to me, you are not healing for you. And I said, and I just sat with that for a minute. And I was like, yeah, I'm not, am I? You're healing for me. You're healing for the people that I'm going to use you to reach. And I often give the example of a toilet roll. People are probably really tired of hearing me use my toilet roll example. But when the toilet paper is on the toilet roll, it's really useful, right? You have a use for it. And then all the toilet paper is done and it's useless. And then we take it and we toss it away. But God takes those useless things and says, there's a whole empty space in here. I can be filled. I can use this for something that other people discard and see nothing in. but Okay, I yeah, you got to move past the toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> point made, point made, point made. You know what I mean. <laughs> well, so there, you know, I, I just think this has been wonderful, and I knew it would be after speaking with you on the phone. And just a, a couple things before we go, is we've just gone over an hour, Rebecca. Um, you had mentioned that you had been alone through this walk and, and obviously now you've got a new friend in, in your counselor and stuff like that. But I, I gotta say the, uh, you know, a lot of the ladies from our, from our singing poor prayer celebration and stuff like that have really, really, uh, latched on to you. Do you, do you feel alone anymore? No, absolutely not. It's been this community has like rocked my world and they have given the example of what it means to reflect Christ by staying with some of the most deeply broken people. And there is nothing that, and they, they don't come with anything fancy. They don't come with, you know, I have a degree in this and I have this and I have that. And, you know, they don't, they don't even come 
um, knowing what it's like to be multiple. They just come as sisters in Christ and say, you know what? The healing is in Jesus and we can do this together. And they've, they've prayed with me and together with what they've done and their willingness to sacrifice. You know, I've had huge breakthroughs. I've had huge healing, um, you know, and that's what God does, right? He takes willing vessels and that we don't have to know what we're doing. He does. Right. And so, yeah, they have been incredible how they have um, faithfully prayed um, and faithfully. Yeah. Yeah. Seen me through so many crazy things. They probably don't even know all the crazy things they've seen me through because they're not usually things that I share or talk about. But they know they, they know they, they understand. And, they, they have enough spiritual understanding. And, you know, I, I, I bring this up. Uh, not to edify our community or anything like that. Well, I guess maybe a little bit, uh, but I, I bring this up for a reason. And, you know, I want it to be an example for the rest of our community. And, you know, we've got our channels on Telegram and stuff like that. And we really want to build a community. And, we, you know, we might not always agree, you know, if this person's a prophet and this person's a fake prophet and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I think what, what they showed you and what I saw as an example was just loving no matter what. It doesn't matter if you agreed on different things or, you know, need, they needed to know more dirty details about your past. It wasn't about that. It was just like, you just, you came and you said, listen, I, I've got some issues here. And they just came up and, and I think that's what the body of Christ is being called to do. And I want to encourage everyone in our community to, really start to more reflect that because that really is Jesus. It wasn't a, a Jesus when I'm in a, a telegram chat and a different Jesus when I'm on Twitter, exactly. you know, and stuff yeah. like that. It's like, let's, let's really try to lift each other up. And, and also I want to commend you in particular, Rebecca, because it's not a lot of people have the bravery to put their brokenness out there. And I think that, you know, there's there's only one listen the whole purpose of relationship and communication is intimacy and you cannot have intimacy without being vulnerable to some extent because it, intimacy really does mean into me see and what all of us when someone wants to look real close it ain't pretty folks you know yeah. Uh, there's, there's not one of you are the exception. Trust me. You know, uh, we, we all have some stuff, but I I just want to encourage to take, you know, just like I'm I'm encouraging their example of coming up and surrounding Rebecca. But I also want to say, look, don't be afraid to make yourself vulnerable a little bit too. Um, there's real healing power in that. And that's part of, um, that's part of nasty programming is to go against what what we've been taught or told to do. <clears throat> That's not just for cult survivors, SRA people, like it's it's for all of us. We've all been programmed. Uh, we all have been mind controlled. We all have that going on. And part of breaking free from that is not just go, oh, well, I've had this great awakening, I know now. No, that's, that's only like step one. You think you know. You think <laughs> you know. You know. There's a lot more that, that comes with that and that's in that risking and that stepping out to say, yeah, I'm, I will share or I will pray or I will, um, you know, whatever it happens to be. And it's and and you know what I what I would love people to understand is when I choose to do that, I'm not just 
I'm not just breaking out of the worldly programming, I'm breaking out of years, almost 20 years of torture and cult programming. That's not a small thing. So it's not easy. It's not easy for me to ever do it. I do it and then I have this huge battle. I have this huge battle to get it out. Then I have this huge battle after. And what pushes me to do it is because I hear the spirit of the living God in me. I hear Jesus speaking. I see God's heart. And it is his heart is that um, things don't grow in darkness. They thrive in his light. And that's what happens when we bring it, when we bring it and we we post it, we um, we say, I need help. We speak it up, you know, even what even if it's, um, you know, even if it's any of the other channels where it's the chat or the digs, when it doesn't have to be right on radio, it can be other avenues and other ways that we choose to be vulnerable. Have relationship. Yeah. yeah. And we choose to say this is and often it only takes one person starting to take that risk before another, it's almost like a sigh of, oh, are we allowed to be that real? Really? Like, is that okay? I, like every time I would do it, I was just like, okay, somebody's going to go, okay, girl, you have gone too far. Seriously. We don't want to hear about this stuff. Don't ask for prayer about that. Could you make it fluffy? Could you just make it? And I was just, I just kept waiting for that. And I thought I'm not doing fluff anymore. <laughs> I've lived in secrets long enough. This is me. This is where I'm at. This is actually what I'm suffering with. This is actually what I need prayer with. I don't need it sugarcoated. I don't need it churchified. I just need to say, this is it. Can you pray? Because I'm really, I'm really having a hard time. And it's, you know, and that's, that's the place that, that we have the option, all of us to get to, to start taking those steps to, to be vulnerable. And we never take it alone because we don't do it out of the, like, I don't want anybody to hear this and think, oh, okay, here I am. I'm going to run off and go off and be vulnerable. <laughs> like, that could be disastrous. Yeah you, yeah, you don't need to spill all of your intimate no, I mean, issues out there, people. No, you don't need to know not. everything. But it, it's not even so much about knowing or not knowing. It's really coming back to kneeling before the Savior and saying, yeah. when you say, I will. If you don't, I won't. And that's really hard because our soul can sometimes get tangled up in how we feel and we just gotta get it out (laughs) you know the poor people that are in you know in front of us when we have to get it out and they're like whoa she's having a bad day you know or there's the times where he says speak now you need you need to say this now and we go no 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 it's it's too hard it's too risky i just i just don't think it's going to really work out and but it's waiting on him for that it's not about what we say it's about following his leading for when we say it and what we say it's not our choice it's not have, your you, choice. have you been listening to my new goggles series, which is all about deprogramming? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So does it make sense to you so far? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It so does. one of the things, that, and I just, you know, I'm going to come back to it. The mind justifies the desires of the heart. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, you might have a desire in my heart. Well, I, I actually just need attention. Right. And so, you know, your mind, I'm going to put it out there, but I'm going to twist it in this way that I need prayer for it. So I can get the attention that I desire. Like, you know, uh, there it's, we're complicated creatures, folks. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah. you know, pray about it. And I, and I, I think that Rebecca, you put it so eloquently, go by the leading of the spirit. Uh, don't react in emotion uh, and don't put out something really intimate about your life or something just based on an emotion. Spend mm-hmm. some time, think about it before you put something out there. And I think you're going to have a much better result. And I think, too, the question that we need to ask is, Lord, what is my heart in this? 
Like if I was just before you, what would I want you to know? What would I want to bring and lay down before you? Because you know it all anyway. So show me my heart. If my heart intention is to, because I feel like for me, it was never, it was never attention. That was just so hard because it was the opposite of everything I've been trained. So the fact of saying anything and then receiving back was just like, I battled hugely, hugely with that. But I'd have to come back and say, what's my heart? Where is it at in this? Because if it's not lined up with you and your intentions and what you would have me to do, I'm not doing anything until I get that from you, right? And it reminds me of Moses when he said, if you don't go, we ain't going. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, right. we're just not going to go. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> well, it's a it's a struggle for us all. And, you know, I've, I've always been one who's had uh, a hard time asking for help. I'm glad to say I'm getting over that. Uh, myself and and it's just because I've always wanted to just be strong for other people right and uh, you know I'm not the only one who struggles with that but yeah no it's good into me see Mm -hmm. that's uh and that's the way the Lord was the Lord the Lord didn't do anything in secret folks when he walked here as a man there was nothing in secret he didn't hide anything the only thing he did was he talked in parables so some religious idiots wouldn't understand what he was saying because they wanted to use it against them, you know, but he didn't keep any secrets. He put everything out. Yeah. And he never let, he never let the assumptions, the human assumptions of other people stop him from ministering to those around him. You know, I think of the woman at the well, like that alone would have been talk, 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 talk. Did you say that? He's, he's talking to a woman. Oh, we know the kind of woman she is like that could have just exploded into all kinds of things, but he never let, um, the reputations and words of a man stop him from being the one who reported to God first and followed his leading for what his life was about, right? And he wasn't there to worry about any of that. And he just would proceed. He got the go ahead and away he went. And he only did what the father told him to do, right? And uh, oh, Rebecca, this has been really wonderful. And I'm going to put you on the spot here for a second, but um, would you be willing to pray on air? Absolutely. Yeah. And so I'm going to, I'm going to ask if you could close us in prayer. And actually I was going to, I was going to direct the prayer, but I'm not, I'm just going to trust the Lord to put the right uh, words on your heart in closing. Trust for the same thing. (laughs) Father God, we thank you that you are Lord over all. We recognize you as the King. We recognize you as the creator and maker of all things. Lord, this conversation wasn't by chance. Today wasn't by chance. Um, Lord, you are working in ways that we cannot see because that's the God you are. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you are outside of time. You see it all, you know it all, and yet you still embrace us and create a beautiful path that we can choose to walk with in um, reverence and honor of you to see and know the holy and beautiful and perfect God that you are. And Lord, I pray out of this um, that people would get a passion stirred up in them to know you, that they would have a holy discontent where they are not willing to stay where they're at anymore. They're not willing to be passive. They're not willing to say yes to some things and no to other things, but they are willing to jump all in and say, transform me. Hang on to me while you do it, but transform me. I want to know you more, and I want to get past this stagnant place that I'm in 
to be uh, to become more like who you are. And so, God, I pray that that would be contagious, that that would be what goes forth. Um, out of everything that said, you know what different ears need to hear. You know what people are ready to hear. You know what people are not ready to hear. So, Lord, as you can only do and you do so beautifully and with magnificence, meet each one where they're at. Lord, however long after the fact that this might be heard, continue to meet each one of us where we're at. And Lord, I, I pray for Jeff. I pray for myself. I pray for our protection. And I stand against the schemes and the wiles of the enemy that may come back later to try and attack us with this. And I declare that those schemes and tactics are null and void in the name of Jesus by the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ that covers us and sets us free. We are not sitting ducks. We will not lay down and just wait for something to come. We rise up fully armed. We rise up using every piece of the armor. We rise up with our ears attentive to you and say, we're ready. You lead, we will follow. And God, may we be that followers of you. No one else, no one else. May we not hang on anyone else's words. Yours alone. We learn from others, but Lord, it should be you we follow. It should be you we hang off of. And so we exalt you and worship you. We thank you for what you will done, what you have done, what you are doing. And we are expecting and look forward to good things because you are a good, loving, kind, awesome, and almighty God. And everything is in your hands. So we relinquish it, we lay it down, and we say, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And you know what? Ladies and gentlemen, that is live right in the real world. And prayer has got to be a part of your living right in the real world. We don't really tell you how to live, but there's a clue, folks. And uh, that's a pretty strong one as well. Uh, Rebecca, just wonderful. And I, I'm definitely going to have you back on. It's like, we've got to dig into this Baha'i thing. This is a something that i've been working on in the background with some others to uh yeah, talk and about. i would love to have tressa come and share her her story it's such a blessing it's such a blessing to hear how god just transformed her life and continues to right we're all in process well let it be so we'll we'll make it happen I, you know what we need to do more of these encouraging shows and you know this the, the temptation could have been so oh let's talk about the rituals and the sensationalism and you know this and that and you know but that that's okay that was you know yeah. part of it but that's not what uh we we need to hear that that, that wasn't that isn't going to make you leave this uh you know after listening to this on the podcast uh feeling good and feeling like you have different hope and different direction in your life uh yeah. what just it's came funny out today i i just the, the idea of, of rituals being sensational is just so far from, <laughs> from so far from my mind you know they are not they are horrible and what we need to be moving forward in is what we learn from them <laughs> so yeah i get it that that's what people do but yeah that that's well people want to hear about it because it's new and they've never heard it's like they're they're seeing into a secret world right it's human curiosity look i was there you know um, as soon as I heard Jesse, I asked her to come on the show, right? You know, uh, yeah. because I'd never heard this stuff before. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but but you know what? There's there's also a point when you know you've learned enough. <laughs> yeah, and and really, you get back to okay, it's happened. Now what? Now what? That's right. 
now what? And that's wow. more of what we all have to live with. You know, I, my parents went through a divorce. Now what? You know, I lost a child. Now what? Right? Like that, that's where we all come to. So, and that's not sensational. That's painful and real. And that's where Jesus is. And that's where he is. And he's waiting to help you, but you got to reach out. Yeah. Uh, this is amazing. Hey, listen, God bless you, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Right On Radio. Remember, love your God. Love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and that includes the Right On Radio community, and make a difference in that community.